everyone. It's Radio Trivia Podcast Edition time. I'm your host, Michael T.Y.P. Cole. And this time we got, uh, I guess it was the founder of this silly little game. Whatever. Uh, Jonathan Metz. Maybe a co-founder with Evan, but I, I stole the idea from somebody else, so whatever. Hi. <laughs> uh, it's good uh, to be back. This is, episode, this is episode 134. I'm not sure I said that or if it really matters. But uh, it's tradition to say that. How are you, man? I'm uh, good. A little frazzled, maybe. But uh, I'm excited to be here. And I'm especially excited, Mike, because we're going to do something that we haven't done in, I want to say, a couple years, maybe, at least. Yeah, because we've been talking about it for at least a year. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I picked out all the songs, and you don't know what they are. Uh, I sent the files to you, but I stripped out all the info from them. And uh, I have my secret decoder ring over here. And uh, I'm ready to stump you. Five out of five. Oh my! Well, uh, I'm yeah. I'm not expecting great things, but uh, <laughs> I'll just say <laughs> it's really this, fun. I don't think this is an incredibly difficult set of games, but to the extent that it is somewhat difficult, I blame the fact that um, you've done 134 episodes of this show, and I, you know, am trying to not yeah. use any games that have been used before. So if if people aren't aware, there's a forum thread of all the games that have ever been used on Radio Trivia. And I don't know why most people... I guess they're good if you're suggesting a game or requesting a game for the show. You can go there and cross-reference it. Um, but for me, whenever I'm picking out games to, to play on the podcast, it's uh, crucial. And uh, it's... You know, I g- come up with ten great ideas for games to play on the show, and nine of them have already been used. <laughs> one, of, yeah. one of the ones I... One of the ideas I had was played on episode one... <laughs> of the podcast edition i was like damn it what's the statute of limitations on this thing (laughs) oh well we sometimes double dip but uh we try to avoid it and save that for special occasions usually just for for live shows and things like that usually yeah yeah it's also a good reference if uh if you want to listen to music from a particular game and hear the conversation because you can search for the name and then see what episode it was on that's very true it's actually a pretty good resource it's a damn good resource i'm sure you've put a lot of time into it so that's yep. over in the NintendoWorldReport.com forums and under podcast discussion. It's a sticky thread. Sure is. And uh, since I know that almost every game that I've played has been used, I'm I'm not feeling the love here. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm I'm <laughs> well. That's when there you're are, I, the I games, think there are some that I have. Played, when you pick the games uh, yourself, you're going to lean on the ones that you've actually had some experience <laughs> with that you feel like you can talk about and. And recognize and pick out good songs. So, yeah. Yeah. When you've been doing this as long as you have, uh, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I might have I might have found one or two here that you've played before, though. I bet. I try. Yeah, there, I know there are some. There, yeah. there are some. And I, some I've forgotten, probably. So. Okay, well, let's go on. Get on with the shaming of uh, Game 1, Song 1. I have not listened to these at all. <laughs> just full disclosure. I just downloaded them off the internet. Threw him into the audio player, and I'm going to listen to him for the first time right now. Mm-hmm.
Right? Pretty cool. Yeah. But I really don't know what game this is. I, I have unfounded hunches, but yeah, we'll see. It's a very mysterious <laughs> sounding song. Yeah. We'll see. I'm I'm hoping you're gonna help me out a little bit with the second song here. <laughs> Welcome to Twin Peaks, Michael. I'm stubbornly sticking with my hunch that's totally unfounded, even though I'm convinced it's wrong now. (laughs) All right. Well, I doubt this question will help you, but (laughs) we shall see. It might help someone uh, listening in the audience. So here's your hint trivia question. What does artist Jacob Kurtzberg, born in 1917, have to do with this game? Oh my. Jacob. Yeah, that is not Jacob Kurtzberg, born in 1917. Well, I'm not going to cool that up because that would not be in the spirit of this competition here. Come on, Sherlock. <sighs>
Chugga chug 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 What is it, Michael? Yeah, so that third song certainly sounded more Japanese, so I'm going to scratch off the game I was originally thinking of. And part of you wants to say it's a No More Heroes game, but I thought we'd use both of them. I'm going to go just out on a limb and say Codename Steam because maybe you're being easy on the first game. That's a very good guess, and it is correct. Yes! <laughs> I don't know how you arrived at that. I mean, uh, I, I don't really think any of the music in this game sounds like the game looks or like it plays. or it. it I don't know that it really matches the attitude of the game ever, but uh, it is Codename Steam. It has a completely wow. bonkers soundtrack, as you can tell. And uh, this is really the tip of the iceberg. I mean, the music in this game really goes all over the place. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and it shifts very wildly from one, even like one menu screen to the next menu screen. We'll have completely different sounding kind of styles of music. Uh, there's, there's no like, uh, there's not really a theme to tie it all together. Um, but I guess that's part of the charm. I mean, it is kind of this weird mishmash of influences. And uh, that's where the hint question comes in, because Jacob Kurtzberg, born in 1917, more commonly known as comic book artist Jack Kirby. See, that's not, that's what I was what I was thinking. Like, it wasn't that name wouldn't sound familiar, but I remembered that that uh, that game you know had a person that was influential in terms of the art style. Definitely, so that, that hint question actually did help me arrive at the codename Steam. Good, in some really weird. Even though I couldn't even remember Jack Kirby's name. Yeah, yeah. What if I had told you Stanley Leibovitz? Yeah, that, that's no. that's Stan Lee. Stan Lee, yeah. yeah. Yep, those guys, they, they like to change their names uh, back in the 50s and the 60s, I guess. But uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, really, I mean, especially Jack Kirby uh, in this case, is probably the greater influence on Codename Steam. Although I think Stan Lee could take some credit as well in the, the goofy writing style. But uh, Jack Kirby, the famous comic book artist who, of course, uh, co-created uh, Spider-Man and uh, the Fantastic Four and X-Men. Um, a lot of, you know, obviously very, very famous uh, characters. And if you go back and look at the old 1960s early issues, uh, when those series all first started, they you can really tell. And, it, and Kirby was kind of famous for this very square-jawed kind of uh, masculine uh, figure that a lot of his characters uh, took on. Although, of course, Spider-Man himself, um, not square-jawed at all. You know, not a, not a big beefcake-type dude at all. He was a scrawny nerd, high school nerd back then. But anyway, Jack Kirby, uh, you know, legendary guy. And uh, it, it was funny at E3 last year when uh, Nintendo and Intelligent Systems first uh, debuted Codename Steam. We were in the room and none, none of us had any idea what it was. I mean, they would had filed the trademark. Yeah. So we knew the phrase Codename Steam, but uh, no one knew what that meant and uh, or who was making it or what kind of game it was. And uh, Yeah, we, we were, I remember sitting around in the, in the room there and we were like, well, we know sort of what the name is probably, but... We had no idea, and uh, well, and, the, and it just sort of strange because they never they never showed it playable, really. I mean, they they played it for us, which I, I guess is what they was Xenoblade too for Xenoblade X. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, until the demo came out about a month before uh, the, the the game, the full game, uh, no one had really played Code. I guess. Shortly before that demo, I think there was a press event where a few people got to play it, but it w it was never playable at E3. Um, but uh, I, I really like Codename Steam. It's a weird game. 
it's definitely a strange thing and um, I, I, I don't I would be careful to predict whether any given person will enjoy it or not but I do like it quite a bit and um, I would have spent more time with it except that I kind of had an I had a feeling that they were probably going to do an update to it uh, and then uh, we just recently heard on a Nintendo Direct as of this recording that there will be an upgrade uh, an update to the game a patch that will speed up the enemy turns which is by far the number one criticism that anybody has with the game um, so it's it's kind of like in Fire Emblem you know you you take all your characters take their turns in this this turn-based strategy game and then once all your characters have made their moves now the enemy the other side gets to do theirs unlike in Fire Emblem you don't actually get to see what the enemy is doing most of the time because your your camera view is limited to what your characters uh, can see directly in line of sight and so you end up kind of staring at a lot of walls and like off into the distance and the camera jitters around like things are moving over there but you can't actually <laughs> see what it is and it's not interesting to look at at all I mean it's you're not gonna get any useful information out of sitting there for sometimes two or three minutes uh, as the enemy uh, plays out its turn wow. and there's nothing you can do during that time anyway I mean there you might as well and you will just set the system down I mean there's nothing to look at that's useful uh, and uh, there's nothing that you can do and the music is this kind of you know chunka 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 kind of death metal sounding stuff and that's funny and weird but after a while it gets pretty old uh, as you sit there for fairly long stretches of time so they're gonna speed all that up pretty soon and I'm planning to pick the game back up at that time so given that you can't skip it like in Fire Emblem you can basically skip enemy turn or it goes yeah. really quickly and we determine that it's because it's actually calculate has to calculate what the heck the other the other guys are dealing th- in real time. Yeah, I think that must be it because on the they they said on the direct that uh, the uh, the patch will allow you to it'll speed up enemy turn now optionally I think you can just decide to leave it the way it is now, but you'll be able to speed up enemy turns by about twice the the current speed on an original 3ds and by up to three times as fast on the new 3DS. And the only reason that there would be a difference between the old 3DS and the new 3DS is that faster processor speed. So it it must be CPU limited, which makes sense, right? If it's running these AI routines and they're going through these, uh, you know, these algorithms to make the enemies decide what they're gonna do based on whatever moves you just made. And it's all being done in 3D space, so it is, in a lot of ways, more complicated than anything you would see in Fire Emblem, which is made by the same company, of course. So anyway, uh, Codename Steam is is a bizarro thing, but uh, it, it's nice to see Nintendo doing something original, and it really is original in just about every aspect that you can think of. Uh, and that's exciting. I mean, it doesn't look like any other Nintendo game, it doesn't sound like any other Nintendo game, and it really doesn't play like any other Nintendo game. And uh, that's it's very refreshing. I like it quite cool. a bit. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's go on to the next game, which maybe I'll get equally lucky in guessing. You might.
I'm pretty sure I know the system and possibly the genre, but uh, not so sure about the game itself. Well, that would put you most of the way there if you're correct about those two things. Doctor, hit me up with a bonus question for a hint. Oh, I don't know how much help this is going to be. <laughs> I did my best. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's your hint question. What is the main character's only magical ability? Well, it certainly helps me more. Okay. I think, or at least confirms the, well, kind of the gravitating towards. Okay.
classical. Well, yeah. Um, well, I'm pretty sure this is a Super Nintendo RPG. Okay. And um, beyond that, I know it's a game I've never played. And just something's pulling me towards the Breath of Fire series. I, I don't know why. Um, I, I know that the, I think the fourth one was on sale on PSN recently, which may be a reason why you would choose something like this. I just don't remember if we've used Breath of Fire. I'm going to go with the original Breath of Fire. You did it again. You Holy sly shit. devil. <laughs> Folks, this is this is oh. why he hosts the show, okay? Because he's that good. You just heard oh, a, a masterwork in uh, deduction, radio trivia, problem solving. Yes, all of, oh. I mean, you followed the, the perfect path right to the correct answer. Um, although the, the one thing, and this would have actually helped you even more, I think, is if you realize that the original Breath of Fire for Super Nintendo was uh, just very recently released for the Wii U Virtual Console. Oh, I didn't know that. And the Breath of Fire 2 has been used on your podcast before, so that one was not in contention. Well, there we go. But I was, it's there we go. got to be one of the very few circumstances where a sequel has been used on Radio Trivia, but the first game has not been. And I thought, well, that's good timing, especially with Virtual Console. So yes, indeed, it is the original Breath of Fire, which, uh, curiously enough, was... I always get a little bit confused about this. I believe it was developed by Square Enix, but published by Capcom. But Capcom wanted their own JRPG series. They wanted to get in on that genre, which they had never really messed around with before. And so they they paid Square... Well, not I said Square Enix, but back then it was just Squaresoft. They paid them to make an original RPG that Capcom would own the rights to. And then after the first game, Capcom began making them internally. And the series actually got much better once Capcom took over it, because the first Breath of Fire is, I mean, it's a fairly early RPG for Super Nintendo, but it's also really generic and not that interesting. Uh, and really the only gimmick that it had going for it uh, back then, the only only thing other than like weird behind the scenes, you know, developer uh, swap outs and things like that, um, it's just that the main character, uh, Ryu, can turn into a dragon, and that is his magical ability. Um, and it's, you know, it's pretty damn cool. <laughs> the main character, you actually, um, as you play through the game, um, you go through various story events that unlock additional dragon forms for him to turn into, and they get more and more and more powerful as you go. And they're really cool, and, and the fun thing is, once you turn into a dragon, he's, he stays that way for the rest of the battle. So when you get into like a big boss battle, you can do it right in the beginning, and he stays really powerful for the whole time. It's it's cool. It's nice to feel you know really big and strong in that kind of a game. Um, is is this game where it's basically one hero and you're finding things like really old school Dragon Quest, or do you have other members in your party? There's other people in the party. Um, okay. Yeah, in fact, a lot of them uh, either return or are kind of referenced in Breath of Fire 2. Uh, which takes, as far as I could tell, takes place in the same universe. Uh, there's one character, uh, a, a wizard, a sorceress named Blue, um, who's a really fun character because she kind of has like a, a mist tail. Like she doesn't have legs. Her uh, her body kind of tapers off into a kind of a misty trail um, down at the ground. And she carries a staff and she's a really powerful magician. And uh, she she's kind of a snake lady also. It's weird. Uh, but uh, she is a playable character in both games. So you kind of find her like living out on an island 
like in in reclusion in the second game. And uh, if you talk to her a few times, you can convince her that she should join up with you, and then she'll stay with you for the rest of the game. She's really powerful. It's cool. So anyway, that is Breath of Fire. It is not an especially notable game for Super Nintendo. I mean, when you said, it's definitely an RPG for Super Nintendo, and I'm like, yeah, you haven't narrowed it down that much. (laughs) Especially with this game, because there's just not a whole lot to uh, differentiate it. But it's not bad, and uh, if you've never played before, if you like this kind of thing, uh, then it's uh, probably not a bad idea to check it out on uh, the Wii U Virtual Console. But uh, if you've never played Breath of Fire 2, I would much, much more highly recommend that one. And I know our friend James Jones, James uh, is also a humongous fan of Breath of Fire 2. All right, well, I'm sorry I don't have a whole lot to say about these games that I'm guessing correctly, but... uh... (laughs) I mean, you are guessing correctly, so I, I am guessing correctly. Yeah, but you're doing a hell of a job of it so far. It's that meta game. <laughs> it really is. All right, well, we're going to go on to the third game here.
Well, that's some beefy instrumentation there. Oh, yeah. Evocative. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know which game this is yet, but uh, I have some ideas. Oh, the synthesized harpsichord didn't give it away? Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the, the platform, uh, it's a narrow set of possible platforms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Slap the bass, Michael. Oh, that was awesome, man. <laughs> That's a great song. Okay. Hit me up with your question. Here is the hint question. Which mostly unrelated Wii U racing game features multiple elements from this series? Mostly unrelated Wii U racing game with multiple okay. elements uh, from this series. Okay. Maybe it's what I think it is still. All right. Um, this will be an interesting one. Mm-hmm.
Well, all right, TYP, what do you think this game is? Well, it certainly sounds like a, a, a Sega Genesis-type game. It does. But, um, it also sounds like it's kind of remixed, um, and, and it really evokes uh, the one 3D uh, classic Sega game that I downloaded, which was um, Space Harrier. It's not, this is not Space Harrier. So that leads me to think it's one of the other ones that they released. Uh, and I, I know that people say that Afterburner 2 has good music, so I'm going to go with 3D Afterburner 2. That is very close, but it's not... Oh, is it the first one? It's not correct. No, this is 3D Outrun. 3D Outrun, okay. Yes. Yeah, that, that's another one that would have been in the same... Right. Very, yes, very close. Okay. Good deduction once again. Uh, yeah, so this is 3D Outrun, originally released in the arcades in, I think, 1985 or 86. It's a really old game, and uh, it holds up remarkably well. I mean, it looks great, it sounds great, it feels great, it's really fun to play, it's challenging, it's technologically cool and impressive in its own kind of retro way. Uh, this recently came out on 3DS as one, you know, one of the 3D classic yeah. series that Sega's been uh, putting out. And I didn't really grow up with a lot of Sega arcade games, and uh, I didn't I didn't go to the arcades much. And I, you know, grew up in a small town in the South, so our arcades weren't that good, and they usually didn't have the, the best machines. And I maybe I passed right, walked right by Outrun a whole bunch of times. It's probably not the kind of thing I, that I would have been very attracted to. But you know, after uh, in, the, in the past few years, hearing so much about Outrun and especially about the, the soundtrack, which people love, absolutely adore. Um, when the 3D Classic version came out a couple months ago, I said, "Well, this is a good excuse to pick it up and give it a shot." And I really do enjoy it quite a lot. It's a very good game. It's not what I was expecting. You know, if you're looking for a virtual racer uh, or something like that, I think you'll be disappointed because 3D Outrun is really more of a... Uh, it feels more like a road trip game. <laughs> it, it, Johnny, in the original arcade, was was this like on a faux motorcycle? No, that's Super Hang-On, which is also oh, okay. uh, developed by Yu Suzuki uh, okay. on the same engine as 3D Outrun, so they are similar games. But uh, 3D Outrun is really not so much of a racing game as it is. Yu Suzuki's called it a driving game, and I think. When oh, you, oh, is this one you're like in like a Cadillac or something? Uh, it's more. It looks like a Ferrari. Ferrari. Yeah, like a red. I do remember playing this as a pizza parlor. There you go. In, in my past. Yeah, this is definitely a pizza parlor kind of game. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the cool thing about 3D Outrun is you're really just racing against the clock. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's very arcade in the sense that you put money in and you get a certain amount of time. And you can extend that time by driving well and getting through checkpoints. And each area of the game is maybe just a couple of minutes long, maybe not even that long. Uh, And really the main goal is to stay on the road. There's some traffic depending on the difficulty level that you set, at least in the, the handheld version. Um, but, it, but most of the challenge is just staying on the road, not driving too fast, uh, and, uh, and, and anticipating the curves and paying attention to this 3D perspective that you see in the, mm-hmm. this retro style. Um, but the cool thing is that the, the timer's always going down, and as you pass over these checkpoints, um, you get to this branching path, and there's this Y shape in the road, and you can either go right or left. And as you keep playing through the game, you get a series of these decisions to go right or left and so it branches out like in a Star Fox game 
where you get these different routes that you can take and each one of them is different and so even though I mean that's the game like you don't select tracks through any kind of traditional menu um, and there aren't laps or anything like that there's not really other racers that you're up against um, you're just trying to go as far as you can and maybe make it to the end and the end is after you've gone through I think five segments like this but in the course of that there are you know dozens of different uh, pathways that you could possibly take on the way to the end and five different ending sections that you could end up at, each of which um, uh, will basically have a different uh, leaderboard associated with it because, you know, there's diff they have different twists and turns along the way and so depending on the right, route that right. you take, it's you kind of create the different different combinations of challenges for yourself and each one of these areas looks really cool and they, they look a lot more different from each other than you might think is possible in this kind of old-school arcade uh, perspective driving game. That, that doesn't surprise me at all. I, I mean, they were pretty sophisticated. You know, even just looking at you know the graphics in, you know, I guess it's Space Area, right? They, they have some widely different mm. environments, even in that game. Yeah. So very creative. Uh, it does not surprise me at all that, that they could do that. Right. And, uh, and knowing that this is the structure of OutRun and 3D OutRun might explain to you the nature of the music that we just heard, uh, which the tra these tracks are quite long, and yeah. they don't loop, but they, they kind of go through fairly minor variations <laughs> as you go mm -hmm. through. Like It feels like they're kind of being stretched out to, to play for time. And that's basically the, what they're doing, because the idea is that you're going to hear that you actually select the song that you want to listen to. You see like a close-up of your cassette player or your radio uh, in, when you first start the game. And uh, the original version had three songs you could pick from, but in the 3DS version they added two new songs, and th those were the first two that we listened to. So even if you're a fan of OutRun from the old days, you might not have recognized those. But uh, you choose the song you want, and then that's the song that's going to play until you get a game over which could take several minutes if you're good at the game and if you get all the way to the end. So they wanted to make these tracks really long um, and, and have this, you know, sort of a, like a, a smooth progression um, because you're going to be listening to it all in one big chunk and it, it might loop, if you play, if you drive slowly and you play all the way to the end, it might loop over uh, before you get all the way to the end, but you might not notice by that time. So if you get all the way to the end, about how long is that? Is it like a, a seven, eight minute? It's less than ten minutes for sure. I I haven't timed it for myself, but yeah, I mean it, it's not a tremendously long game. But there's so much replay value because you can take you know lots of different routes, uh, and you can of course always try to improve your times as well. But it's a, it's a really unusual racing game in that you're not really racing against anything except yourself, and it the 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 music again. It kind of matches the game very nicely because the game itself has this kind of leisurely, like, no rules kind of approach. Like, it's kind of just you and you're driving. It's like you versus the road, and it's not that challenging, and it's really more about just kind of exploring and making these cool decisions, you know, which way to go, and and enjoying the, the cool scenery and the cool effects as they go by. So the music is definitely leisurely in that same way. I think that you talked about this on RFN and you likened it to Cruising USA, and I think that sounds like a very uh, apropos thing, just just in the sense that just, yeah, you're sort of, honestly, you're goofing off, but it's yeah, well, it's more about the journey than it, <laughs> anything no, else, it, so it, to speak. Yeah, it is. I mean, Cruising USA is much more of a racing game. Uh, in the, it was a point-to-point -point racer, so there aren't laps in Cruising USA. 
Uh, the idea was that the, the the different courses that in that game sort of were supposed to roughly connect end to end, so that if you played all of them, you're basically driving all the way across the U.S. Um, it, that's you know it's very stretching <laughs> credibility there, but uh, but also even though Cruising USA is about ten years newer. Than, than Outrun, and I think Outrun is in most ways more impressive. It's certainly mu- a much better game. It's more polished. It's more fun to play than Cruising USA, and the music is far superior. So, in every way, if you've ever been intrigued or enjoyed uh, Cruising USA, I think you should play 3D Outrun because it is it is a similar idea that is executed much much better. So, so I'm going to take a crack at that question that you asked. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, which which mostly unrelated Wii U racing game features multiple elements from this series? Yeah, I, I, I suspect you're referring to Sonic Racing Transform. That's right, yeah. Sonic and All-Stars Racing Sonic Transform. Sonic and All-Stars, I'm sorry. The completely insane title of that game. How dare you botch it? <laughs> Sonic and All-Stars Racing uh, Transform. Yes, the, oh the Wii U launch title, or very close to launch, uh, and it's actually a damn good racing game. I mean, before Mario Kart 8, it was unquestionably the best racing game on the system. And I still think, in some ways, I still think it's actually better in, in you know, in a few aspects than Mario Kart 8. It certainly has a more intriguing um, single-player experience. Yes. Yeah, it has kind of a campaign mode uh, with a lot of kind of unlockable content that you, you have to work up to, a lot more variety and the kinds of... Uh, races that you do, and some of them aren't as much fun as others, but it, at least it does kind of mix things up. Uh, you know, I think the transformations that the vehicles go through in that game are more entertaining and more strategic and more exciting than what happens in Mario Kart 8 when you just go upside upside down or up on the wall. Um, yeah, yeah, it's more akin to Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah, the, uh, the, the levels transform and change lap to lap in a way that Mario Kart 8 doesn't even try to compete with that, uh, and uh, the uh, and, and, and Sonic uh, Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformed also supports five player, so or, or even in two player you can have one person you know play full screen on the gamepad and another full screen on the TV, and that's something that for whatever reason Mario Kart 8 does not support. So, yep, that's something that we did yep. together. Yeah, we yeah you and I have played that, and it's fun. That's a really fun game, and it, and it has a few elements from Outrun. So the the Outrun car is in there. Uh, there's a level that is somewhat based on, or at least it has the music from Outrun, uh, one of the famous uh, Outrun tracks. And uh, yeah, so check that game out as well. 3D Outrun and also Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed. Both very, very good. So some love for Sega there. More love than Sega gives itself these days. <laughs> All righty. Two more games. That's right. We're not done yet, folks. Nope.
Big drums. I have no idea. <laughs> Talk me through it, Mike. What are you thinking? Well, this is only the second game. I get one more song, or second song. I get one more song. You here. do, you do. But uh, I think it's a handheld RPG from either DS or 3DS era. Okay. But uh, beyond that, uh, and there's so many of those that. Well, um, he- here's the good news. I have a pretty strong hint question for you this time. All right. Great. Although this game is usually compared to the Zelda franchise, what is your primary weapon? Hmm. That's a pretty big hmm. hint. That's a big hint, but I'm, I'm not sure. I'll, of course, I'm there, are, to think about there this are lots of things that get compared to Zelda, of course, but. Yeah, okay.
I'm not even sure this is a DS or 3DS game now. Um, <laughs> it's pretty awesome music, though, isn't it? That song is really great. I don't know. I see you should be able to come up with a bunch of games that would be compared with Zelda but don't use a sword. But I, I'm just trying a total blank, and I really doubt it's that new uh, 2D game that just came out. It just doesn't seem right. But uh, I really doubt it really does not sound like this would be this game based on uh, who developed it in, in the history. But the only thing that comes to mind is Elliot Quest because I think your primary weapon's a, a bow. But I'm pretty sure I'm wrong on this. You are correct. I'm correcting that I'm wrong or that I guessed you are, the right game. You, cor- you guessed the correct game. <laughs> this is Elliot Quest. Yeah. That's only because I know who you are and what games you've been playing lately. Yeah, well, I might telegraph myself sometimes. But uh, I had to get this music out there for people because it's so good. And I had to talk about Elliot Quest because it's so good. And I had to recommend it to you, Mike, because it's so good. Oh, okay. I've been holding off because I heard about bugs in the game. Uh, there are a few bugs and glitches, yeah. They, they, they're promising a patch, but who knows how long that'll take to, to come out. But uh, LA Quest is so good. I've had an incredible time with it. I've put a ton of time into it. I'm still not finished, but I think I'm, I'm fairly close to the end. I'm in kind of the final stretch, I think. But, uh, oh man, it's really fantastic. If you're, if you're into like old retro stuff, if you're if you, if you like really hard uh, sort of action-adventure games, if you like a lot of non-linearity, I mean, Elliot Quest is one of the few video games I've played that I would say pro- is probably too non-linear. <laughs> I mean, See, that, that scares me. It evokes memories of playing Metroid 1 as a kid. Yeah, I mean... That's, that's my worry. <laughs> I'd say it's a little more guided than that just because, you know, there is text in this game and... It has a more sophisticated presentation than the original Metroid, but and, and it's certainly not as punishing in the sense that it, you know you're not grinding for health the way that you were every time you died yeah. in Metroid. So it, it's more modern in those ways. I mean, it has save points that you just walk past, and then it it refills um, half your health and magic, and and it saves your game automatically. So you know, and and those are placed very intelligently, but also because there are these save points, the game's real hard. And the enemies do a lot of damage. Uh, most of the enemies are more mobile than your character, so you really have to you have to kind of have a game plan when you go into it, attack even regular enemies. Uh, and so the game has this kind of meticulous, ponderous pace to it that takes some getting used to. And I think not everybody will be into it, but uh, I've really enjoyed it. It definitely it took me a couple hours to completely grasp the pace of it and the, the the way that I needed to play it in order to be successful and over the course of I've probably put in 15 or 20 hours in this game and I'm still not finished with it I mean for an indie game on Wii U eShop that's pretty good uh, and, uh, and and there's so many amazing ideas and like really fantastic level designs and, and just some really great stuff, incredible pixel art then the music is really good as you've already heard uh, there's so many things I like about this game, um, but it's obtuse. I mean, it's really obtuse. It's the most obtuse game I've played, since, certainly like a in, a in a retro style, since La Mulana for WiiWare. And that game is, it's up there with Fez. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's more intricate than Fez, just because, you know, a lot of the weird stuff in Fez is kind of optional, whereas in La Mulana, you're like... You know, decoding secret messages and stuff just to find the bosses. 
just just to like make basic progress. And Elliot Quest isn't quite that hardcore, but in terms of, it, I guess it it does some of the some of the same kinds of things, but more in a Metroidy sense. In that there's um, there are so many different places that you can go to. There's this big overworld map, which I love. You know, even in these kind of old school style 8-bit uh, type games. Uh, I really like uh, overworld maps and exploring all the nooks and crannies. I love when they they actually put little secret places into all the little weird corners of the map that most people maybe wouldn't even try to go to. And when you go there, you find out actually it's a really cool little place and there's uh, maybe some relatively important stuff for you to do there. Maybe it's all bonus stuff, but it's very helpful, uh, etc. So. There's just so many secrets built into this game, and it's a game that if you're not into looking for secrets, you're not going to do well in it, because it's so hard, <laughs> and, and, and sometimes it feels like you have way too many options of where to go next, and they're all really difficult, so you'd like to kind of focus on the one that's going to be the most productive. But there's really no way for you to know what that is. I mean, there's maybe... Li- that, that, that concerns me. I mean, you talked about this at RFN, yeah, yeah. And, and that's actually where I got... I backed away from thinking of purchasing this game because uh, as much as I love Zelda 2, um, I kind of love it in in spite of its warts. And if (laughs) I were were coming in fresh, Mm -hmm. uh, I would not have the patience for wandering way off into the middle of nowhere to find out, oh, I really can't go there yet. Um, Or I really shouldn't be there yet because I'm not, I don't have the right items or whatever, right? You know, you can go into the cave, you can get far, but you don't have a candle, so you really shouldn't do that or... There's just some things about that game that um, sure I- I'm not sure I'm willing to put up with in a, in a new game. Sure. And uh, Eliquid sounds like it, it kind of does that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's This game is so Zelda 2. This game is more Zelda 2 than Zelda 2. And, I mean, it's... I should love that because I love Zelda 2 and I want to play more games like that. On paper, this is a game I really should love. I'm just... I'm a little gun shy about uh, getting pissed off at this game. That's all. I mean, I've gotten pissed off at it. Like it happens. You know, it is it is very much old school in in every way, including in that it it's it's pretty brutal sometimes, and and uh, sometimes it, it almost feels unfair. But you know what? I think in reality, it's more fair than a lot of those old games. It's more rewarding, and I think if you love that sense of finally like figuring out what to do and then suddenly it opens up this whole new area and you get a really cool new ability and you start to find experience points and you level up your character and suddenly it, it, there's these kind of step changes in in your abilities and your proficiency in playing the game and the and the, the power level of your character and sometimes it feels like you're playing and playing and playing and nothing's happening you're not making any progress and it's really frustrating yeah and then all of a sudden something happens and you find a place that you hadn't been to or you go back to a place and you find suddenly you understand what to do there whereas before you just couldn't see it and now all of a sudden the game just feels like it it's blown wide open and you're so excited now there's like five things that you want to do all at once because you're like i've got it i can do it it's the best feeling and i remember loving those parts of zelda 2 i think that when that happens in elliot quest it's even better than in that game. And and a lot of the problems I have with Zelda 2 um, 
where it's it's really unfair. It makes you play for like really long stretches with no way oh, to save yeah. your game and no and nowhere to like refill your health or anything. In those really awful ways, Elliot Quest is much better. It's much mm-hmm. it's more modern in, in those senses. So for me, it's kind of like you know, like I've wanted for a long time for Nintendo to basically make a follow-up to Zelda 2 where they sort of address some of the basic problems of that game, but also further the really cool ideas that it had. And uh, I don't know if Nintendo's ever going to get around to it, but the people who made Elliot Quest have done their job for them. So I'm thrilled mm-hmm. with it. I, the more I play it, the more I like it. Wow. Yeah, it's it's just really wonderful and I want more people to play it, especially because uh, when I get stuck, I would like to have people I can talk to. Because <laughs> it's definitely the kind of game that makes you... If you can play this with another friend who's also like on their own file, and they might kind of take a different... They will definitely take a different pathway through the game. Uh, and you can sort of compare notes. That is like the ideal way to play a game like this. Or if you have a... You know, a group of friends online who sometimes play the same games at the same time and they like to talk about them. Um, uh, retroactive. Um, this is perfect. Well, I, we wouldn't do this for retroactive, probably, but. Uh, well, but given that we're playing a Zelda game for retroactive, mm, mm. should I just hold off on playing this for a little while? I mean, should I, should I come back to it when they've patched it and maybe it's on sale? Uh, is it- yeah, sure. If you haven't already started it, you might as well wait for the patch. Yeah. Yeah, sure, but don't wait too long. Don't forget about it, because Elliot Quest is so good. Okay. Yeah. I, I give it a high recommendation. Oh, and of course, the, the primary weapon is a bow and arrow. You'll hear people compare it to Kid Icarus, but it's really only like Kid Icarus in that your character shoots a bow and arrow. <laughs> and, the, and the arrows don't even behave anything like they do in Kid Icarus. So it's, yeah... It's not really yeah. anything like Kid Icarus. That's a good thing. Yeah, I agree.
it reminds that one song reminds me of two pretty different games, <laughs> just in terms of the instrumentation. I'm I'm kind of afraid to say what what those games are because I might spoil something, but it, I'll forget if I don't say it now. So so there's like a bass part in there that reminds me of like Sonic Three, where like you're in that gumball machine. Hmm. Um, and but the rest of the song kind of reminds me of Mario, but. I don't think this is Mario. If it is, then I, I'll have to edit this out. Uh, let's go on to the next song. going to be close. I don't know if I'll be on the mark, but uh, I know what series this is. Mario? You sure? Alright, shoot me the question. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I recognize that song. Okay. What completely absurd communication feature was added for this particular version of the game? Big hint. Yeah, it is a big hint.
Well, I do what I can, Mike. <laughs> Played uh, two songs that are exclusive to this version and one from a part of the game that's completely optional and easy to skip right pla- right past. Yeah, so, that, that's um, a beautiful rendition of that song. This, this has to be Star Fox uh, 64 3D s or whatever the title is for the <laughs> 3ds version it of is game. indeed yes um, it's the 3ds version of star fox 64 and uh yeah that that piano piece at, at the end is played over the credits but interestingly it's only played over the part of the credits that comes after the original credits so that's the part oh, that geez. plays over the credits for the 3ds conversion that was done by Q Games in Japan, yeah. Dylan Cuthbert's uh, team. So you you not only have to beat the game to hear that, but you have to actually sit through about 10 minutes of credits <laughs> to, to hear that piano part, and it's worth it. Yeah, I own this game. Uh, I barely touch it. It's probably one of the worst 3DS purchases. And I don't know why I haven't played this game. I mean, I love Star Fox 64 to death, and I haven't played all that much recently, but... I think I played like the N64 mode, whatever that means. I played the N64 mode through once, trying to get as many of the medals as I could. Mm-hmm. And just like old times, because I, you know, I'm dying to to try to get the high ranking. By the end of the, um, I get to you know Venom, the good, the the best version of Venom or the hardest version of Venom. I sure. die, and so all that progress is lost. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck this game. I'm not playing it again. Yeah, and I, I and I have never come back to it. Yeah, I mean, I could see how that would affect you that way. I would say, you know, just the first time I played it through it. So first off, I held off on buying this for a very long time because I thought it was crazy overpriced for the content, which was basically not that different from the Virtual Console release that came out like the year before on Wii. And it's a it's a nice game to have on portable. I think it's well suited to the portable format and the portable experience because you can play through the game in about 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, like OutRun 3D, actually, I, I brought it up there. Uh, it's a game that you can play through multiple times and take different routes and have completely different experiences every time you play through it. And there's a lot of fun sort of hidden high score things because you like you, you mentioned the medals and that's like if you play through a level and you get enough hits on it uh, if you get enough kills basically and combo points then you get a medal but yeah. in a lot of cases that's very hard to do and there's like specific strategies mm-hmm. for how to do that in each level sometimes you have to take a certain path through the level or you have to try to get to the secret boss or there's a certain group of enemies that comes out that if you kill it, they bring out another group of enemies. And if you keep like basically keep chaining this together, you can get a much, much higher score than if you didn't do that. So there's lots of little fun secret strategies that you get from playing through the game many, many times. I think, Mike, for guys like you and me, part of the problem is we played this game to death on <laughs> yeah. N64. We, I it, certainly did. I got, yeah, every, I, mean, I got every medal, unlocked the, the, the expert dopey... Mode. Um, whatever battle mode where you can run around as just the you know Falco on just foot. or Slippy yes. on foot. It's very broken if you know what you're yes. doing. Uh, it's funny. Yeah, the dumb split screen battle mode, which is like not actually good, but we played it a lot anyway because yep. it was 1997. Yep. And, you know, I mean, which which look. they sort of updated with an equally goofy e- local yes, video e- chat. E- in a completely different way. So that's the that's the hint question answer is that they, for the 3DS version, one of the big reasons I just refused to pay forty dollars for this game when it came out on 3DS was it didn't they didn't even add online play to yeah. the to the stupid that's multiplayer like a mode. 
It was local wireless only, and yet, for some reason, it supports video chat. Which you can only use from, like, 20 feet away from the other person. I mean, it's... It's just mind-numbingly stupid. I don't know how they ended up in this place. My, my only guess is that they originally intended for it to have internet play. And the video chat would be a really cool feature for that. And then, for whatever reason, they decided that they couldn't get it working. I think at the time they said, well, we had to focus our development resources and we're trying to get this game out early and yada yada. But uh, it ended up not having any internet mode at all, which I just thought was absurd. If you're going to convert this old game, at least add cool things like that. Instead, they're like putting in motion control, which is basically unusable. Yeah, well, it's not why not a high score board? I mean, this is a high score game. Yeah, not, at not, least... Not that- not that uh, I should be playing that because clearly I burned myself out trying to relive the glory days of high score. <laughs> um, I think wasn't there like an RFN question about you know completionists and burning yourself yeah. out trying? To, I think that's a good. I think this is a good anecdote of of how not to play a game to burn yourself out on that. I, I really should well, just play through the damn game and not worry about getting high scores. That'll be a lot more fun. Yeah, I mean, back in the 90s, I think it can be forgiven because there was hardly anything coming out on N64, and when you got a really great game like Star Fox 64, which I think is a masterpiece, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's, it's an absolutely game. brilliant arcade-style arcade shooting game, flying and shooting game, with tons of replay value, but we replayed the hell out of it back then, yeah. and we basically squeezed every single ounce out of it, and my biggest criticism of the 3DS game is they don't really add anything. They add a bunch of like bells and whistles that aren't, they don't really add to the experience. But geez, if you're going to take a 15 year old N64 game and try to release it as a $40 retail package, add a new level. Like, real basic. Like, these levels aren't that long, Mm -hmm. you know? So if you're, if you're going to do this, add something new of substance, not a local only multiplayer mode that I'll never play. Uh, and you know the the graphic upgrade is really nice, but when that's the only interesting feature that they added to it, no, of course we didn't want to pay forty dollars for it. I don't know why you did, but I held out. I got it for like three hundred coins on Club Nintendo, maybe seven hundred. Anyway, I got it for Club Nintendo coins, which was the right price. To that's pay. the right price, yes. <laughs> and for for that, I have enjoyed it quite a bit. I played through it a few times, uh, and yeah, I mean. There's something to be said, Mike, for just going through on the easiest possible path (laughs) and just feeling like you're really good at it. (laughs) And maybe on the second or third time, you you try to gradually step up to the the more difficult routes and... uh, and try to get medals, but for me, I for me it was fun just to go through it and hear the dumb voice acting oh, yeah. and the great music yeah. and to see all the crazy bosses and and just play through it and be like, oh yeah, I remember all this. And it really does the 3DS version. It really does look great. So uh, and it has a couple of new songs, mostly just sort of slightly improved versions of the original songs. But there's a, there are a couple of new songs on there, and I tried to to focus on those. So uh, yeah. Anyway, it's a weird game. The 3D the 3D version is a, is a really weird experience. But uh, if you uh, were able to get it uh, through Club Nintendo, I think that's an especially good price to pay for it. But one of the best choices you can make, I think, out of that humongous list that they put up towards the end. Hey, I blew all my coins right before they announced that on a, on a NES Remix Two shirt, which mm. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. Yeah, right before they <laughs> literally like, like a week before um, oh. the, all that shit went down. So I'm like, eh, I'll never use these coins. I got a whole bunch of coins, so I'll use one on this shirt, I guess. Yeah, well, they went for so long with almost nothing worth 
using the coins for, you know? And so you kind of basically said, well, I'll just take the best thing that they've got right now, which, you know, wasn't very good. And then every now and then they would put up these, uh, you know, these, these, these download games, especially right at the end. It was like, holy crap, I wish I had never spent any coins on anything else because right. there's so many things I wanted to get from this list. And, at, you know, at that point I had used up most of my coins on stupid things. So, um, gotcha. yeah, cl- hey, Club Nintendo handled incredibly poorly from start to finish. What can you say? Yeah. <laughs> Good riddance. I mean, <laughs> thanks for the free games, but I will not miss filling out your dumb surveys that probably no one will ever read. And uh, I won't miss uh, stressing out over, you know, whether we're ever going to get the Super Famicom controller that plugs directly into a Wii remote or whatever, which, of course, we never did. Um, the, the whole thing was just really frustrating. The more you knew about Club Nintendo, the more you probably hated it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. You know, there, I'm glad that Nintendo wants to do a loyalty program, but that's not the way to do it. <laughs> So we're getting something new at the end of 2015. We don't know what, but something new that will work across all their platforms. And I look forward to that day. But anyway, Star Fox 64 3D. I felt that it was a sufficiently different version of the game that it was worth double dipping there. Yeah, I agree. And again, I probably would have selected this earlier if I'd played more of the game and heard more of the unique music in there but yeah uh, well if you never got to the credits then you never heard that piano song because that when i heard that i thought oh man i gotta find a way to use this on radio trivia because it's so good all right well johnny i think we got to wrap things up here um before we go i I suppose there's some things we we can plug here um there is an ongoing uh smash brothers tournament that both the rfn folks and myself are a part of along with a bunch of other folks from the site or the larger NWR community. I think we're There's like twenty or twenty-five people involved. Yeah, overall. It's, a, it's a pretty big effort, and, and Neil and Scott are. are uh, I, I just I don't know how they're managing to put all this together. It's it's, it's pretty impressive. It's so complicated and time-consuming, and uh, man, bless their hearts yeah. for. It, it is. I have to say, just as a as one of the schlubs that's that's participating and just playing Smash Brothers once a week, it's really fun. And it's it's very exciting. It's fun to talk with our team to try to strategize uh-huh. and, and figure out what we're going to do. And uh, the the videos they wrap up um, can be viewed in you know fairly short order. It's not like a ton of time to commit to watching it. And you can certainly pick and choose the matches that uh, most interest you based on who's involved. You know, if you're your favorite people from the Nintendo World Report staff. You can certainly uh, concentrate on those, but they're all up on YouTube and they're on our website. Um, you, if you go to our features page, you'll find uh, you'll find more info on that, and they uh, wrap it up very nicely. And the fun thing is, um, you don't we're not broadcasting them live or anything. Instead, what what uh, Neil and Scott do is they edit the videos together, and then they provide uh, commentary, yes. like audio commentary for them over over. It's like sports uh, commentary, but. Smash Brothers. But for us idiots playing Smash Brothers, and there's a huge variety of skill level, so it's not like watching uh, videos from Smash tournaments where you don't understand what's going on because people are using all these weird exploit moves and things like that. We're very much normal people playing Smash Brothers, and uh, and there's a lot of fun little rule tweaks where we have like home teams and away teams, and the home team of any given matchup gets to select the stage and the rules and the items. 
So there's a lot of variety there, and uh, it's really, really fun. And the commentary is really top-notch. Uh, Neil and Scott are doing a great job on that. So, yeah, I, I, I highly recommend that people go check that out. And uh, even if you're not a big Smash Brothers fan, I think you might, you might learn a few things about it. You might get, get some of the appeal and some of the fun of it. Uh, and again, we're not playing at a very high level, so I think it's pretty accessible, yeah. you know, even if you're not really, really, really into Smash Brothers. Yeah, if, if you remember, we did a similar uh, tournament of sorts at E3, and, and some of the people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, commenting on YouTube or whatever, were like, oh, these guys suck. Well, was, yeah, we're, we're regular guys. Also, we were playing that game bef- way before it came out. Yeah. So, like, we were playing with new characters for the first time ever, and new stages and new items, and we're like, we don't know what any of this does, <laughs> you know? So I yeah. felt like uh, we, we did pretty well given the circumstances yeah. there. One pro tip that you, you may not notice um, when you're looking at the article, um, they do a roundup after each week, and mm. if you click on the image, there are some pretty fun little power ranking slash uh, goofy commentary just embedded in that image. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely worth checking out. That's from a community member who's just observing, he's watching the videos just like anybody else, and then putting together his power rankings just like a, like a hardcore you know, football fan or wrestling fan might do. Uh, and uh, it's, re- it's really fun to see what he says about each of us <laughs> after every week. It's, a, it's very subjective and a lot of fun. Yeah. So check that out. You can also check Johnny out pretty much every week. A few exceptions, but pretty much every week on Radio Free Nintendo. Yeah, we try to be consistent. Yeah, unlike this podcast. Uh, you um, know, it's a different format. Yeah. Different challenges. But uh, yeah, yeah, Radio Free Nintendo, we talk about Nintendo every week for about two hours. So if that's your favorite part of radio trivia, then you should probably go check that out. And I also have a music podcast that I can plug that's not about video games at all. Yes, except please. one episode was with you, Mike. <laughs> We, we talked about uh, Hip Tanaka uh, a couple years ago, but uh, yeah, my, my podcast, Discover Music Project, is uh, you can find it at crosstalk.com with a W, cross T-A-W-K, or just look up on iTunes. You can search for Discover Music Project. You can search for, I think, my name, probably, or you can search for uh, Crosstalk, and it'll come up any of those ways and uh, it's a really fun show where uh, my friends and I talk about music and we showcase lots of different artists uh, the, the idea being it's someone you've heard of but maybe you haven't actually uh, listened to in depth uh, and uh, we cover just about every genre every kind of music every era of music that you can think of uh, the most recent episode was with another friend from Nintendo World Report Mr. Um, Stan Ferguson and uh, we, we listened to Dave Matthews Band, which is uh, something that I have been exposed to since the 90s and never, never got into until just now. Just from doing this show, like, I feel like I can finally say I'm kind of a fan. Like, I actually really like Dave Matthews after, after going through these songs. So if you're someone who's never quite gotten into it, uh, I think this show would be a good vector. Uh, if, I mean, if you're, curi- if you're open-minded, if you're curious about it, you know, if you just need a little a little help to uh, to get interested in in um, a particular uh, a particular band or a particular music artist, uh, that's what the show's all about, and it, it works on me most of the time. So I feel like it must work on other people too. <laughs> 
So uh, if you're if you're open-minded and interesting in exploring and discovering new music, uh, that's what the show's all about, and uh, I think it's a lot of fun. So I hope you will check that out. We have more more of those coming very soon from other friends here at the website here at NWR. For those who don't know, these are big productions that take months and months and months for Johnny to organize between. Much like radio trivia, actually. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, getting the lineup, getting the person. It's it's a big production, so um, it's definitely worth checking out. Even if you don't, if you don't like a song, you can or, or a couple of songs, you can stop listening to that episode. I, mean, I, I think most people probably do. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but you know, we try to try to make it very accessible and engaging and uh, fun. Because it's, I get that there's a weird psychic block to trying new music. That's not something that most people have a strong appetite for, and yet I think also a lot of us who are intellectually curious, we feel that we should be trying to go out and discover new music, right? Or not necessarily new music, but music that's new to us. Like, we feel like we should be broadening our horizons musically, and so I wanted to find a way to kind of do that in a fun, entertaining, not intimidating way. And that's what the show's about. I like doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. (laughs) Then keep doing it, sir. Yes, sir. Well, you keep doing what you're doing, Mike. I think you've uh, you've shown your chops here on this episode. Of course, you and I are pretty pretty simpatico uh, with our video game music tastes and and knowledge. So I, I have a you know I wanted to make it a challenge for you, but also wanted to make stuff that you know pick things that I thought were within reach. And uh, I think this just goes to show if you if you try to do that, Mr. Typ will probably find a way. I'm amazed that I got. What I get, four you out got of five? four out of five, and you and I've only played close, one out of them. Very, very close <laughs> to doing all five. Very impressive, sir. You're easy on me. <laughs> you didn't choose anything too obscure, I guess. Uh, no, Elliot Quest is, is, I guess, obscure in the sense that it's a, it's a almost a brand new game, but uh, you still sussed it out. Okay, until next time. Keep reading the site. Keep listening to our podcast at NintendoWorldReport.com. Of course. Bye-bye.
Code name Steam is copyright 2015 Nintendo Intelligent Systems. Breath of Fire is copyright 1993-1994 Capcom. 3D Outrun is copyright 1986-2015 Sega. Elliot Quest is copyright 2014-2015 Anzimus Games. Star Fox 64 3D is copyright 1997-2011 Nintendo. Music. Music, music, music.